Welcome back, Surly Talk Sports, on another barnstormer of a Friday. The old great blizzard of 2022 that struck New Zealand appears to have burnt off. She was still pretty nippy this morning, but now the sun's out and she's going to be another hisser of a day. The stage is set perfectly for a massive game of Bunnings Far Cup up here in Auckland tonight. Should be a beauty, but of course, before we get into that, plenty ahead on today's show. Going to review the grand final, what a game that was. Talk through the old Bunnings Far Cup as well. Have a cheeky little look ahead to the Rugby League World Cup. The Black Ferns, the Women's Rugby World Cup, she gets underway tomorrow. It's Bathurst, the NFL, strapping. she's gonna be... Another big show, of course. Last weekend, had a bit of a big night, Saturday night, push the boat out, Dr. Rudy's. Tell you what, that establishment, that is backfiring. Went through a bit of a lull patch, in my opinion, for about 18 months there. Really did struggle to get bums on seats, but now she's back. The DJ's playing some bangers. My hips were moving on a Saturday night, I can tell you that much. Also, they were playing trackside, the Harness and the Greyhounds on the big screen just next to the dance floor. Name another establishment where you can go have a punt, pound some Waitakere daiquiris and move your hips all in the one venue. Bloody grouse stuff. This weekend, heading along to the Harbour game tonight. Probably have tomorrow off the old booze. Strap in and watch the Women's Rugby World Cup triple header. Then on Super Sunday, heading along to the old inspired, unemployed lads. Better beer launch. So fizzing for that. Nothing better than a cheeky little Sunday sesh. May have to crack open a few Darren Throffiers. Try their brew and push the boat out. We soon shall see. But as mentioned, plenty to chew through today. So Strap in, warm up your eardrums and be prepared for an absolute punishing. Without further ado, producer Sharla, let's rip in. How good is a Friday? And of course, last Sunday night, the big dance, the cream of the crop, the two best teams supposedly in God's game going at it, hammer and tongs for 80 minutes to decide who the champions for the 2022 NRL season would be and prior to the kickoff in the build-up the atmosphere she seemed unreal fair to say the Parramatta faithful boy had they got out in massive numbers of course she'd been a while since 2009 that their boys had been in it add to that they hadn't won it in 36 years as well the longest running drought so fair to say the Parramatta faithful they were up and about for this one the blue and gold army And shit, couldn't even hear the commentators in the build-up show. She sounded electric and the FOMO really kicked in for me. Would have been unreal to be parked up in those stands with a couple beers in hand. The whole place was buzzing. Once the game kicked off though, she was a total domination, one-way traffic and you'd have to say... Probably one of the best 60-minute performances I've ever seen from a side in the grand final. Maybe even 70, the last 10 they buttoned up, put the cue in the rack, and they were already tasting those victory bears in their mouths. But right from the opening whistle, Penrith came to play. Moses Leota, James Fisher-Harris setting the tone through the middle on both attack and and defence. They were flogging blokes left, right and centre and Parramatta just had no answer. I think after the first five minutes you could see it on their faces. They looked exhausted and you'd have to wonder how much of a toll the whole week of preparation took on them. I think Dylan Brown he came out and said he was exhausted by the time it kicked off. They always say the grand final lead up she's unlike any other week and it can be really draining and I think it just got the better of the Parramatta boys and that's where that Penrith grand final experience really came into play and saying that though after the performance the Panthers put in I just don't think even Parramatta at their best would have been enough to beat this side you look through the team's performance Cleary, Edwards, To'o, Isaiah Yo, Luai, Liam Martin, Viliami Kikau you just couldn't pick out anyone from that Panthers 17 that didn't play well Certainly the better side on the park 
by a country mile. It was even one-way traffic off the Rimu as well. We all know how good Sorensen is, and I'm bloody glad he's in that Kiwi squad. But Spencer Linu, 21 minutes, he ran for more metres than Junior Polo and Regan Campbell-Gillard did in their 50 and 58-minute slots. So again, even the Pine got the better of the Parramatta starters. And we said if Parramatta were to take it to Penrith, it would be through their enforcers through the middle. Oh yeah, guys like Junior Polo, Regan Campbell, Gillard, even Nathan Brown, who they bought in late. They've been bullying opposition sides, but fair to say on Sunday night, they got a taste of their own medicine in a massive way. Brian Toto, shit, he must have been close to the Dally M paying 51 bucks at the TAB as well. But don't get me wrong, Dylan Edwards, the ghost, he certainly deserved it. I tipped him a couple weeks ago at 17s. Happy to see him get the dub and so was the bank account. But what a player this bloke is. He's been the best player for Penrith all year. I think he won their player of the year and players player of the year at their prize giving, so well deserved. 291 run meters, nine tackle breaks, and a Hurston tackle like the great Scotty Sattler. What a replica. Round the bootstraps, tackled old Bailey Simonson out. A heck of a shift and a true try saver there. Brian Toto, 299 run meters. He averaged 270 plus across the whole final series. And for me, he really has changed the way the wing position will be played in the future. Obviously, we've had other wingers like your Blake Ferguson's, even your Manu Vatuvai, Daniel Tupo, who in the past have been huge at carrying out from their own end. But the numbers this guy puts up are just crazy. His post-contact meters were higher than most of the parameters' run meters which is crazy to think. Add to that, two tries, nine tackle breaks, and one Hassan mullet. It's just wild to see what this bloke can do on the field. Nathan Cleary, he was at his usual best, pulling the strings, running the cutter. That early tackle set, Grubber he put through for Sorensen's try, catching Gutho sleeping. Just another example of how good this guy is. Moses Leota mentioned him before as well. I'm not sure I've seen a better opening shift from a prop than what we saw from him in that first 20 minutes. Every hit, shit, I felt it through my TV screens. Every carry, he was leaving Eels defenders in his wake. This guy can truck nut. He's a true enforcer, and I can't wait to see him pair up alongside your Fisher-Harris, Nelson Asafa-Solomona, Joseph Tapane for the Kiwis. That is one scary bloke, and you wouldn't want to get in the way of him. Liam Martin, Viliami Kikau, they certainly got the better of the Parramatta second rowers as well, of course. Heading into this, a lot of talk. Sean Lane, Isaiah Papali'i being the best duo in the comp. I think Martin and Kikau kind of said, hold my bear, and showed how devastating they can be. Line breaks galore, rocking blokes on D, a strong shift from both of them. And then I just thought the injection of Api Coruscant, again, he came off the bench, his service, his running game, the amount of work he gets through on defense, shit, he's a good hooker. He's going to be really missed. But Mitch Kenny in saying that as well certainly didn't disgrace himself and he looks to be every bit of footballer as well. Isaiah Yo, of course the co-captain, another vintage performance from him. The way he runs their attack alongside Cleary, how far he digs into the line is bloody beautiful to watch. And then even guys like Jerome Lua and shit I know, he's been copping it post the final, we'll talk about that soon. But I thought he had a really strong game as well, bouncing around, high involvement, a little bit of grubby stuff, but the kid can play, backs up his chat. And another strong shift from him. In terms of Parramatta, I didn't actually think they played that bad, to be fairly, of course. Probably not their best performance, but certainly not their worst. I think it was more just the case they couldn't get themselves into the game. Penrith came to play, suffocated them on both attack and D. And I think the biggest problem for Parramatta was Penrith set after scoring points. I think there wasn't one occasion where they didn't cross halfway 
off the kickoff, and there's no way you can get yourself into the arm wrestle allowing that. I think there was even one set after points where Penrith just rolled down the field, got a repeat set, and then scored straight away back to back. And that's just so hard to cop and bounce back from. They didn't really stand a chance, but a strong performance from the green and golds just to make the final. A lot of people out there now saying they're expecting that Penrith could drop off. Of course, they're losing Coruscant. They're losing Kikau next year, which is definitely going to hurt. Both were outstanding on Saturday, but I think they're going to be a lot better off than many people think. And in my box currently, they're probably still the favourites to win at early doors next year. Mitch Kenny, he'll come into the nine. Sonny Luke, a young buck who's been applying his trade in their New South Wales Cup side. He's a bloody talented hooker as well. So I think he might come into the mixer. They pick up Luke Gardner, and while he's no Viliami Kikau, he's a solid replacement as well. And then you've got to remember, they won all three of the lower grades, so they've got depth out the wazoo. I'm sure they'll pull up a few blokes we've never heard of. Maverick Gaia, son of Mark, maybe it's his time to shine. And then there's a young bloke, Sunia Taruva. We saw glimpses of him this year. He looks one for the future. Maybe he locks down that 14 jersey and this Panther system just rolls another one off the production line. Why I have them favourites though? Cleary, Luai, Edwards, all still there. The three key elements as part of that spine, as is your Isaiah Yo's, your Fisher Harris's, your Leotas. And speaking of Clary and Luai, they've now won 54 of their last 58 games for Penrith. That's a 93% win record. That has to be one of the most successful duos ever in world sport. And as long as those two are at the helm, pulling the strings behind a pack that's full of talent, then I think Penrith will be just fine. Suppose we better talk about as well the old backlash that's come out in the media post the lads winning. And look, they've certainly been celebrating Deluxe, but at the same time, I love to see it. And I think guys like Paul Kent and that, they really are the old school, the minority, but they're the ones making all the noise, kicking up a fuss. And for me, it just is what it is with the modern day athlete. And of course, it's a bit different to how we've been used to seeing guys celebrate championships, especially in Australia and New Zealand. They're carrying more of that American athlete style attitude and swagger off the field, but hate them or love them. They're that good. They can almost do whatever they want. And I think it's a bit of a culture shock for some league fans but at the same time, it's a tough one because so often we criticise players for giving us the same old cookie-cutter answers in the media. We want them to be themselves and be a little less boring. Then they open up, be themselves, and they cop it left, right, and centre. The thing for me that allows us to be six more play on in my book is the fact that Luai and that were talking to Parramatta in the lead-up. Before the game, he said, call me daddy, Parramatta had a chance to go out there, target him and shut him up. They weren't able to do so. It's not like he's running his mouth now that things are over and they can't get at him. So he talked his shit, he backed it up, they got the dub, it's play on, and it is what it is. Add to that, it's bloody entertaining as well. It's got people still talking about a final, which many were saying was a boring game due to how dominant the Panthers were, but she still headlines every day as the players come out with more and more quotes. So it is what it is. You can definitely see that American influence, but at the same time, it's just Luai, Fisher-Harris, those guys being themselves. You haven't heard these quotes from Dylan Edwards, Isaiah Yo, so they're still staying authentic to themselves as well. You've got that balance in there, and for me, you just gotta let the lads talk their shit. If you don't like them, beat them next year. In terms of how you'd rank the Eel season, I think she was a bloody successful one and a massive pass for me. I didn't expect them to be in the grand final. I had sides like the Roosters and the Storm heading into the year as being that second team. So the fact they made it to the big dance is a bloody good achievement. They put in some strong performances throughout the year as well, and they probably played their most consistent footy in finals, which is when people had the biggest question marks on them as well, which was a great result. The question now, though, is how they'll go next year. No Reed Marnie, no Isaiah Papali'i, no Marata Niakore, no Tom Opicic, 
and they're also losing a few other lads as well. For me, the key is Josh Hodgson. If he can come back in from his ACL and play anywhere near the footy he was playing a few years ago, then I think they could well be in the top four mix again. And I have no doubt guys like your Browns, your Moses, your Gathos, they all would have learned a lot from this experience. And saying that, I think it could be hard to replicate just because I think your Roosters, they're getting stronger next year. Guys like Pappenhausen, etc. will be back at the Storm. The Sharks and Cows should be better for the experience as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them around that 6-7 to seven mark. Of course, the Warriors climbing the ladder too. They'll be playing top eight footy. Will they be making a grand final? We will have to wait and see. But overall, a strong year. And now looking forward to seeing Parramatta and Penrith lads lace up for these rep sides. Your Kiwis, your Aussies, your Samoa, your Tonga. And give it a good crack at the Rugby League World Cup. Hopefully they're about to sober up and board a plane because shit, they're running out of time. But good to see Madge, especially for the Kiwis, giving the lads till Saturday to enjoy themselves, post the win, and then head over to the UK. Also as well, wanted to touch on the women's grand final, the NRLW, because what a performance that was from the Newcastle Knights. 32 points to 12, they bet Parramatta, and it could have been a whole lot more as well, had it not been such a rough day off the tee for their goal kicker. Two from seven, they left another possible 10 points on the park. But Millie Boyle, their skipper, what a football player she is. 268 run metres, 115 post-contact in the middle. Tamika Upton, she was crazy this year. Bloody talented, averaged 196 run metres, seven tries. An electric player. And then Jesse Southwell, the name on everyone's lips this season. Only 17. The Jillaroos, the Aussie woman's side, has decided she's too young to take to the UK because they don't want her to get into some trouble on or off the field. She's an elite ball player and looks to be every bit the future of this competition. So a huge shift from them. The Knights, they went from wooden spoon to winning the comp in the space of a year. You love to see it. And I'm really excited for next year's instalment of this competition. They're adding more teams. Should be bloody good. And fingers crossed, over the next couple years, the mighty Wars can get back in the mixer as well. Because I think our women, with the amount of talent we've got over here at the moment, would really push these Aussie sides. So fizzing for that. But of course, Rugby League World Cup, she's next up in the world of God's game. The Kiwis, they're playing Leeds, 6 a.m. Sunday morning. Great to see Tommy Luluai, the Kiwis great, going out in his final game, playing as skipper in the seven jersey. Classy, classy stuff from Madge there. A real tip of the cap type of operator, which is huge to see. One of the greats of our games and obviously being a friendly a week out from the tournament she's not your strongest kiwi side trotting out but in saying that if you're leads and you're lacing up the boots for a friendly and you see big nelson asofa solomona lining up opposite you you're gonna realize pretty fucking quickly she's not really a friendly the kiwi lads they'll be looking to go out and make an early statement and i'm really looking forward to watching this game early doors on my Sunday morning. If you're a punter like me, and we'll touch on it soon, the Kiwis, they've been boosted at the TAB to $5.50. Still love me a bit of that. And some more. They're also paying 10 bucks, loving their squad. Australia, a few interesting selections. The big ones for me, no Nico Hines, no Dylan Edwards. When was the last time the Dally M and Clive Churchill missed out? And also Hudson Young, not making the trip over. I thought he was bloody unlucky. Campbell Graham getting the nod in the centres. That's an interesting decision considering they've already got Valentine Holmes, Latrell Mitchell, Jack White and Matt Burden that can all cover it. So some tough calls from Mal Meninga you'd have to think. And two blokes playing incredible football will be stuck in Australia. But when you run your eye over their squad list, still bloody impressive. They probably do deserve to be the favourites but not by that much, the Kiwis 
are certainly coming for them. So looking forward to next weekend when it kicks off proper. We'll have more of it, of course, on next week's podcast. But for now, that's the end of the NRL for the 2022 season. And fizzing in about three weeks' time, our boys, the mighty Waz, will get underway for pre-season, ready to build into what is going to be a massive year next year back at home. Can't wait for it. Bring on 2023. Should be an absolute doozy. And up the mighty was. Sticking on the theme of finals footy, and of course, she's all going the Bunnings Far Cup. Quarterfinals get underway this weekend, but round nine last week delivered some massive results. It was one or two teams in each pool still playing off with hopes of continuing their season. For the others, she was off to Mad Monday and some massive results that meant we lost a couple of the competition favourites a bit earlier than expected, especially on the Friday night with Hawks Bay beating Tasman which saw the Mako drop out a team that heading into the start of this competition many would have had as front runners and genuine title contenders so to see them not playing finals football you'd have to think that's a bit of a shock Hawks Bay though they wrap up that fourth spot in their pool and they advance so tough year losing the shield but they go on still with a chance to go all the way so a good result for the Magpie then on Super Saturday, she kicked off with an absolute cricket score. One-way traffic, a good old-fashioned rugby union hiding. North Harbour flew down to Invercargill and put the stags to the sword. 66 points to 8. The first 15 minutes, she was a reasonably tired affair, to be fair to Southland. And there's certainly not a side that rolls over easily, but Harbour, just too much razzle-dazzle, broke them down. And from then on out, the floodgates opened. Trivita Lee scored a hat-trick, run-of-the-mill stuff. That North Harbour back three, excitement galore as always. Ford Pack chipping in well, doing the hard yards and scoring a couple meaties of their own. Bryn Gatland ball on string and that just kind of wraps up a tough season for Southland just the one win from their 10 games and on paper I thought they were going to be a pretty decent side this year capable of causing some upsets it hasn't quite clicked into gear for them so they'll be happy to have a few beers and finish up that year and hopefully they can continue to recruit pretty well and build a stronger squad for 2023. Auckland, they took on Taranaki and got the dub 38 points to 24, ensuring that they'd set up a battle of the bridge in the quarterfinal. And for the large majority of this game, Taranaki were actually winning it up 17-7 until Auckland really hit their straps. And it was interesting to see RTS, the best calves in rugby union, out there on the wing. You'd have to think that was a call from above. Ian Foster and co wanted to see him out there on the sting and again if you're Roger you'd have to be a little confused of course often when we see these league converts come across they jump on the wing first to learn the game we saw Sonny Bill do it with the Crusaders and over in France but Roger he took the more direct route he went straight into second five for the Blues probably out of necessity to be fair the Blues needed a starting 12 but he played bloody well he looked to be really understanding the game now Fozzie wants to see him on the wing, which is a position, of course, he can be incredibly lethal at. Get him one-on-one, he'll make anyone look like a fool, and I also think he'd be handy at fullback. So maybe it's just another tick in his box showing off his versatility, but you get the impression now Fozzie might not be that impressed with him at 12, wants to see him on the wing, so stay tuned. Hopefully Roger can have some big shifts there. In the next game, one I tipped to be a bit of an upset. I thought Otago were going to give Matt Todd's men their second loss of the year. It wasn't to be, but shit, they went close and pushed them all the way, going down 27 points to 21 at Forsyth Bar. For a while there, it looked like Otago could do it and lock themselves into finals footy, but Canterbury, they finished strong. Otago kept it tight, but in the end, they're too good. And Canterbury, they certainly looked 
to be the competition favourites, sitting about 14 points a clear of North Harbour in second. Dominant display, just the one loss, and they definitely are the team to beat. And saying that, though, this next team, Wellington, put on a big score against Counties, 64 points to 31. They're really hitting their straps. Of course, they got the shield locked up for the year. TJ Pedernada, Duplessis Karifi, Asafo Amur, Julian Savia, all playing some great code. And they, you'd have to think, that second cab off the rank and a team with a real shot to go all the way. Northland, they secured their finals hopes with a big win over the Manawatu Turbos, 41 points to 24. Heading into this game, they knew the equation. They had to get the win and the bonus point, and that's exactly what they did. Tough year for the Turbos, 0-10, zero wins, and there's plenty of stuff to be fixed ahead of their next campaign. Fingers crossed they can attract a bit of talent or unearth a bit of local talent bring them through and get a few wins because you hate to see that. But well done to Northland. They started the year as the giant killers, pulling off quite a few upsets. They fell away a bit in that middle patch, but good to see them playing finals code. Not many people would have had them doing that at the start of the tournament. And the fact they finished ahead of Tasman, that's a massive tick. For the boys from the Cody. Then your final game of the round. Waikato taking on Bay of Plenty. Nail biter. Bees dick win. For the Mulu men, over the bop, 35 points to 34. Right at the death, Damian McKenzie steps up, slots a penalty and gets them the win. you got to feel sorry for the Bay of Plenty, though. That's the second time in the space of about four days that they lost a game to a last-minute penalty. So no doubt, tough on the heart for the coaching staff. But the best thing is, they get a shot again at Waikato this week in the quarterfinal and they'll head in knowing that they are more than capable of winning that game. So, of course, finals footy, the top eight advance. She's all go tonight. Gets underway at 7.05pm, live from QBE Stadium. North Harbour taking on Auckland. Battle of the Bridge, second place thirds in the evens pool. And this should be a doozy of a game. And you can tell Auckland are scared. They've rung up Fozzy and begged them to release a couple All Blacks into their forward pack to help bolster their stocks. Akira Ioane, Patrick Tuipolotu and Alex Hodgman all come in and it couldn't have been at a better time for the boys in blue and white. Of course, I don't think it'll be enough. I think this Harbour pack, tough as shit, no big names and they'll really take an underdog mentality into this game, but I do think Akira Iwani in particular will be a big addition. I don't think he got the opportunities with Gilbert in hand to show off his strong running game throughout the rugby championship, and I think he'll be seeing this as a great chance to show Fozzy he's still one of the most devastating ball runners going round in New Zealand. Fingers crossed, though. He doesn't show it tonight. For me, the advantage for North Harbour is in that backline. Of course, Auckland with a couple injuries. Bright team, Salisi Rayasi, two of their best. They've been ruled out. In fact, RTS, I believe, he was meant to head away this week on a family holiday. Had to pull pin, though, because Auckland need all hands on deck. They're shorter troops. So, Rog, he gets the wing spot. In comes Corey Evans in the 12, and he's a good young footballer. Signed to the Blues, and he looks every bit of a future talent. Hasn't played that much code, though. He has been coming off the pine. So, a big task for him up against this Harbour back line. Led, of course, from the back by Sean Stevenson. And shit, rumours have been flying the mill has been humming this week with the news breaking that the Redcliffe Dolphins are keen on old Shooter. And of course, he's a good friend of mine, friend of the show. And I can confirm that both the Dolphins and Wayne Bennett have been in talks with Shooter for a pretty long period now. The interest is definitely real. It'll be interesting to see what evolves over the next few coming weeks. Of course, Shooter, he's still in the All Blacks mixer. Plenty of chat in the media that he should either be on that tour with the All Blacks or with the All Blacks 15, taking on the Barbarians on their Northern Hemisphere tour as well. There's plenty of talent in the outside backs in New Zealand but shit, he's playing as good as any of them, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. And this news that there's some interest in him from the NRL may even force the selectors' hands to give him even higher honours 
so we shall see, but shit, I'd love to see him play in the NRL and at Redcliffe. Prefer it was at the Warriors, but it would be exciting for my mate, and I think he would carve it up. There's no doubt in my mind he's definitely got the skill set to play anywhere from one to six in the great game of God's game. So watch this space. Could be some more developments. Then, of course, Mark Talia, Tavita Lee, Bryn Gatlin, the big names continue. And then that Ford pack, touched on it earlier again. Not the biggest names going round, but shit, they'll go toe-to-toe with anyone. They've got that underdog mentality. And I'm looking forward to this game tonight. Harbour 1-12, to sign me up. Then in your other quarterfinals, and the best thing about these games, three of them are local derbies and local grudge matches. This is one of them. Wellington taking on Hawke's Bay. Of course, bit of bad blood here. Wellington went down to Hawke's Bay and took the shield from the Magpies earlier in the year. So I think this will be a great game. Wellington at home, though, I do think they'll be too strong. They've got a massive momentum hit at the moment. They're flying high. Wellington 1-12. Although the Hawke's Bay, bloody good football side. Big win last week. Don't write them off. This next game, this is the one the bookies are predicting to be the most one-sided of all four. Canterbury at home taking on the Tunny Far Course. Canterbury, the team to beat. The Tunnies, the giant killers. Fingers crossed they can go down there and put in a real performance. That would be great to see. Hopefully they keep it in that 1-12 to range and it's a real game. On their day, Northland, they're certainly capable. Canterbury showed last week they're definitely not unbeatable, but you'd have to think in front of their home crowds, hopefully they get a good turnout. Canterbury probably 13+, plus, but hopefully in the 1-12 to 12 range, and even more hopefully, the Tanifar get the upset. I would love to see the boys in sky blue pull it off and advance into next week. Then your final quarter-final game, Waikato taking on the Bay of Plenty, of course. As mentioned, a rematch from last week right down to the wire. Will we see some more Damian McKenzie heroics? We will have to see, but either way, I think this one will be a nail-biter, and it should be an entertaining game of code. Two sides that love throwing the footy round. Of course, pretty strong rivalry between these two Chiefs sides. So this should be a beauty. Great Sunday Arvo viewing as well. Can't wait to sink the teeth into that. So four huge games of Bunnings Far Cup. I think they'll all be fairly high scoring, as we've seen all year, and should be razzle-dazzle deluxe on display. So tune in, bums on seats, and get behind your local side. If they're not in the competition anymore, plenty of room on the harbour bandwagon. I'd love to see you there, and up the mighty heat. But of course, the Bunnings Far Cup isn't the only football that is going down this weekend. We have the kickoff of the Women's Rugby World Cup, a massive tournament that New Zealand is lucky enough to be hosting. Slightly delayed, was meant to be 2021, we get it this year, and I'm fizzing at the bung to sink my teeth into some women's footy. Of course, she gets underway with a massive triple header. The French taking on South Africa, followed by Fiji taking on the competition favourites in England and wrapped up with our girls, the Black Ferns, taking on Australia with a bit of Rita Aura in the mixer as well. How can you say no to old Auntie Rita? And great to see her over in New Zealand. Huge news as well. I think this morning they announced there's only about a thousand tickets left before she's a sellout. The biggest ever crowd to a women's rugby game and you love to see it. Great to see the New Zealand public getting in behind it. Triple header in a free little concert. Tickets as cheap as 10 bucks. How could you say no? And I'm really excited for this tournament. I think it's going to be great. If you haven't watched a lot of Women's Code, I'd encourage you to do so. Shit, the skill level and the level of footy on display is bloody good. The physicality is second to none. There's some massive hits. And when you can watch the girls like Ruby Tui, Portia Woodman just carve it up, it's certainly entertaining bums on seats. And I can't wait 
to get behind the Black Ferns, of course, the English, their competition front runners. We're currently sitting in around second in the favouritism with the French hot on our heels though and you will remember only a few months back end of last year we went over on that northern tour we got dusted by the French and the English but Wayne Smith at the helm Graham Henry his little 2IC two of the greatest rugby minds in New Zealand they've partnered up they've turned the girls fortunes around and I can't wait to see how it plays out and fingers crossed we get an England-New Zealand final at Eden Park that would be massive, and then the Black Ferns girls pull it off. So if you're not up to much tomorrow, park up on the couch, or even better, be one of the last thousand to buy a ticket and head along. Should be entertainment galore, and up the mighty Black Ferns, you best believe I'll be riding with them throughout the tournament, and also keen to watch the likes of your Fiji, who are in it for the first time. You love to see that. It's all about growing the game and this can only go a long way in promoting women's rugby. She is a bloody grouse sport and these ladies can certainly play it at the highest of levels. So up the Black Ferns, fingers crossed we pump the Wallabies tomorrow night and get the tournament started off with a hiss and a roar. Weekly wrap time now, kicking her off with the old NFL and another huge week last weekend. Round four saw us left with only one defeated team, the Philadelphia Eagles, getting up in a close game over the Jaguars to ensure that they go 4-0, sitting pretty atop of the NFC and definitely looking the team to beat early doors. Great stuff from Jalen Hurts. Only his second year in the league has this team firing on all cylinders. Other big results, of course, the Bengals bet the Dolphins, and that was a bit of a shit show for Miami. They hadn't lost leading into this game, but there was many question marks that Tua Tagovailoa shouldn't have been playing after it appeared. He suffered a concussion the week before. They threw him back out there on a short turnaround, took another hit, and he was left just scathing on the ground, his arms curled up into the old T-Rex position. It was pretty frightening stuff. Good to hear that he's doing all right now. He'll sit out this week. But again, asked many questions around the concussion protocol and whether he should have been in the mixer at all. So tough times there for Miami fans and definitely something to watch that will have a huge bearing on the rest of their season. Other key results, the Bills came back to pull off a win against the Ravens. A huge performance from Josh Allen and good to see him and Lamar Jackson go at it. Of course, two of the early MVP front runners. And then Paddy Mahomes, he heard this MVP chat. He felt disrespected. He wasn't in the mix. And he went out and put on a clinic against the GOAT, Tom Brady. 41-31 to 31 for the Chiefs. A win on the road. Further rubbing salt into the wound of course Brady rumours that his misso Giselle she wants out so tough times in the Brady household no doubt he'll be smashing his avocado the old TB12 diet that's certainly one of the more interesting ones I've heard of can't question it though obviously works but not on Mad Monday Packers they squeeze home by a field goal against the Patriots the Las Vegas Raiders they got their first win of the year up against the Denver Broncos so no doubt that was big steam on the Vegas Strip for your Sunday night. And then another key result as well took place over in London. Vikings getting the win over the Saints and it was great to see Packed out stadium in Tottenham. Merch galore. All the palms got in and around it. Looked like a real spectacle. And fingers crossed the NFL in the years to come. Maybe they could bring a game over to Australia. I don't think New Zealand would have a big enough stadium. They'd want more bums on seats. But imagine the MCG or something similar. Not sure if it's suitable. But shit, 100,000 NFL fans. I think it would sell out in seconds. And I would love to be in the mix. So fingers crossed for us NFL pigskin tossing fans over here. 
that they can make that happen. Round five gets underway today. Bit of a dead rubber, to be fair. Colts taking on the Broncos over there in Denver, which makes it a touch more interesting, the old Mile High Stadium. Everyone obviously enjoys using the lose there. But Colts not quite firing as expected in the preseason. Jonathan Taylor, many people's number one fantasy pick. He's had a rough start, but maybe this is the week they hit their straps. Who knows? Russell Wilson, certainly not the player he used to be back in his early Seattle days. So this could be a bit of a tough wash, but nevertheless, I'll be tuning in anyway. Then Mad Monday, of course, as usual, she's all go from 6am early doors start. Chargers taking on the Browns. That's a game I'll be watching because I love Herbert and then the Browns are my team. So that's a bit of a grudge match from me, a real torn heart, but probably get behind the Browns. Although Hope Herb has a day and continues to show signs of improvement from his injury. Other key ones, 49ers-Panthers, I think that'll be a good game. Niners off the back of pounding the Rams into the cause earth, so they'll be looking to back that one up. Baker Mayfield and the Panthers, I think they're a better team than results have suggested, so maybe they hit their straps in this one. Bengals-Ravens, that'll be a doozy. Bums on seats, arguably the biggest clash of the round, really. Joey Burrows up against Lamar, another huge quarterback battle in Baltimore. That'll be good. Cowboys taking on the Rams. Cooper Rush. Rumours that Dak Prescott's going to be back, although Cooper's led them to be undefeated since he's been at the helm. Rams really struggling. They get back home to LA in Inglewood, and they really need to win this one if they are genuine title contenders. And then on your Tuesday, Raiders taking on Kansas City in Kansas City. I think Mahomes will have another field day, and they could rack up a cricket score, although Vegas have that upset potential. They haven't really shown it this year, but they've got a great off. So on their day, they could trouble Mahomes. And last year, they really were their bogey side. And there was plenty of chat off the field as well. So a bit of a rivalries formed between these two. And looking forward to that game. Other sporting events this weekend. Bathurst 1000, of course. All you petrol heads out there. This one will have lead and pencil for you. She's a huge weekend. Park up with a crate of Leon Rouge. The old singlet stubbies combo. Maybe shave yourself a hissing mullet. Settle in on the couch. Get the old petrol canister out from the garage. Chuck it in the lounge. Leave the lid off. Just to give you that authentic race day smell. And buckle in, of course. She's a thousand Ks. A huge race. The great Shane Van Gisbergen. Heck of a bloke. Kiwi driver. He's looking to wrap up the supercar series with a good result here. And win his second ever Bathurst. And it's sad to see... But of course, this will be the final one for Holden. They're getting replaced next year. Of course, Holden's no longer exists. So that long rivalry between Holden and Ford, she's coming to an end. So it'll be great to see a Holden car win it and send it off on a high. Shout out as well, Greg Murphy's dusted out the cobwebs, got the glasses back out, and he'll be strapping in in the driver's seat. So huge fizz for the GOAT, and I can't wait for this one. Fair to say I won't be watching the whole thing, but always tune in for the last 10 or so laps. Bums on seats viewing. Also, should mention the Formula One on Sunday, so she could be a huge day if you're into your motorsport strap in. Forgot as well to mention Cammy Munster. Again, bit more NRL chat. He's just re-signed with the Melbourne Storm until 2027. The longer this dragged out, I thought it was going to be the case, but early doors, I was pretty sure he'd be heading to Redcliffe, and this is a massive blow for Wayne Bennett. They now don't have that real marquee standout player that they wanted for next year, and you'd have to think with most teams starting training in, in just over three weeks, they'll probably run out out of time to pull it off. They're going to have a shit ton of money left in their salary cap and no one to spend it on. The worst possible result. And I'm really interested to see how they go next year. Could be a tough slog. Great four pack. Struggling a bit in the backs. Maybe this means they chuck Sean Stevenson a multi-million dollar deal 
and the bro gets paid. Also, shout out to the Breakers, their first home game in a long time since the old COVID implications tonight down there at Spark Arena. So get along. If you're not heading to the Harbour game, you should be heading to this one up the Breakers. And great to have you back at home. How good's the old NBL? And speaking of the NBL, shout out to the 36ers who got the win over the Phoenix Suns in NBA preseason. A massive shift from them. Saw some bloke dropped about 32 and now he's had over 10 NBA clubs chasing him including the Golden State Warriors. So it just goes to show you lace up, you have a day, you drop some buckets, catch fire, green beams and you could get yourself an NBA gig which is huge. And fair to say the Phoenix Suns, they were definitely copying it on social media. The Americans were ripping in, saying the 36ers are the poor man 76ers and couldn't believe they got the dub. I think it's the first time an NBL team has bet an NBA team in preseason. So well done to them and can't wait for the NBA. I think she tips off in just under two weeks. All go. How good is basketball but that's your sporting action for this week probably missed a shit ton again missed some soccer football so apologies to all you that are purists of the great game maybe touch on it next week might forget again who fucking knows Time to talk some punting now, find you some jam and hopefully get you a few wins at the TAB this weekend. And as just mentioned, whenever we talk punting, it is thanks to our friends at the TAB. And make sure if you are having a punt this weekend, please gamble responsibly, but please do so at the TAB. They support me, so let's support them in return. Really appreciate it. And of course, last weekend was a big weekend with the old hall pass going on. Luckily, got in on the Penrith Panthers, and if you took the Dylan Edwards tip, the ghost, that would have played very handsomely, and you would have been laughing all the way to the bank. Of course, not much rugby league going on this weekend, but before the League World Cup kicks off next weekend, thought I'd give you a couple futures to cast your eye over if you are interested in getting in before some potential odds drop because I think there is going to be a fair bit of movement, particularly in that outright futures winning market. But one game I do think you should cast your eye over is the first game of the tournament getting underway at 2.30am next weekend, and that's England playing Samoa. And myself, I love the look of the Samoan squad, but they're hidden strong favourites. The tournament, of course, over in England, so they're taking on the home side. The crowd will be packed full of patriots patriotic palms and it's not going to be an easy environment for the Samoans first up. England are paying $2.15. I think that's massive coin and I think Samoa, much like Tonga, they're going to really improve throughout the tournament the more time they spend together. So I think England here at that money, not a bad shout first up and probably the biggest chance for an upset in terms of the odds in round one. I think many people are underestimating this English squad. They can play footy and I expect them to well and truly be in the finals mixer. In terms of your outright winner odds, Australia, as mentioned, clear favourites at $1.50. New Zealand, they've been boosted to $5.50, so get in on that. They were $4.33, so very generous from the TAB there. Then we drop to Samoa, their third favourites again, probably a reflection of their stacked squad paying 10 bucks. Then you got England at 13s, probably some good money there. They're on the easier side of the draw. They've stacked it. Unfortunately, New Zealand are going to end up playing the Kangaroos in a semi-final, it looks like. So England should be playing Samoa or Tonga. So not a bad shout there. Tonga paying 15s and then a massive drop-off. Fiji, 201 Papua New Guinea, 301, and then you get to the $501 long shots. Probably not worth talking you through that. Mistake, actually, New Zealand boost to sixes, even more jam. So again, we'll touch on the Rugby League World Cup more next week, but there's a couple options for you in the futures if you want to get in early, because as mentioned, I really do think 
the odds will drop. Crossing over to the old rugby union, the 15-man code, and of course, Bunnings Cup quarterfinals. Kicks off tonight, North Harbour taking on Auckland. Harbour back to outsiders at $2.25, Auckland $1.67. And this market's been fluctuating like crazy. I think just yesterday, North Harbour were favourites, but the news that Akira and Patrick Tuipolotu are back in the mixer appears to have moved punters back towards Auckland. So personally, I think that's great money for Harbour. Of course, a patriotic fan, $2.25. I've had to snap that up. Your winning team in margin, and of course, as usual, TAB running the bonus back promo. You pick the winning team, you get the margin wrong, you'll get your money back in a bonus bet. Harbour 1-12, to 3.20, 13-plus at 5.25. Not a bad shout. Auckland at 2.70, 13 plus at $3.60. The point start is only two and a half, so not a lot in that one. In terms of your try scorer markets, Trivita Lee, if you're ignoring him, I can't help you now. You clearly don't understand Bunnings footy, and I think Akira Yuwani could also top down for Amidi, so keep him in mind. But my best bet for this game would be Harbour head to head at $2.25. Lock it in, Eddie. I think that is great money. Super Saturday, of course, Wellington taking on Hawks Bay, and the best thing about these games, three of them, they are grudge matches, and this is no different. Wellington, of course, went down to Hawks Bay and took the shield, so no doubt the Magpies looking for some revenge, and they're still a bloody good footy side. Wellington, though, clear favourites, $1.45 at home, Hawks Bay, $2.80 in the margins. Wellington 1 to 12, 280, 13 plus 260. So that's actually the preferred option. Cricket scores are expected. Hawks Bay 1 to 12, 380, 13 plus at 650. The point start, she's six and a half. So not a bad shout there. If you were to get on the Hawks Bay, I think their alternative point start of plus 12 and a half at a dollar forty-two is a good shout. I do think Wellington, though, will be too strong. Just take them head-to-head if you're in your multi. If not, go the 1-12. to She's better odds than the 13-plus. If they do, rack up the points and get the win. You'll get your money back as a boner. So chuck them in there. Nothing to lose. Your next game, she's the most one-sided of all of them. In the TAB's eyes, Canterbury taking on Northland. The South Island up against the top of the North. The Tanifar, they've been giant killers all year, particularly in the first half of the season. So hopefully they can go down there and really push Matt Todd's men all the way and make this game a real contest. Canterbury, $1.08 favourites. Northland paying 7 bucks. Canterbury, 13 plus. $1.42. So if you like Northland's chances, if you're a diehard Tunnyfar fan, eight bucks for the one to twelve is probably where you're heading. The point star, she's 18 and a half. Massive disrespect for finals footy. And I'd be getting in on that. Northland, they're a bloody good side. They don't roll over easily. So I'll be chucking that in my multi at a dollar ninety. And fingers crossed. They can keep it close. And then Waikato taking on Bayer Plenty in a replay of last week's nail by the Waikato. Clear favourites, $1.55. The Bay, $2.45. The point start, though, she's tight, four and a half. So again, not a lot in it. Waikato, 1 to 12, 260, 13 plus, three bucks. Bayer Plenty, 1 to 12, 330, 13 plus. 650. Again, I don't mind this away point start of 12 and a half. I think that's a good shout. The seven and a half is paying a dollar sixty. Twelve and a half, a dollar thirty-three. You go and save. Take Bay of Plenty plus twelve and a half. I think again it should be tight, but I think the Mulus could get the dub, and that's pretty close to the dollar fifty-five on offer for them head to head. So you kind of anchor yourself either way, hedge your bets, and hope that she's tight. That little four-leg multi, Bayer Plenty plus 12 and a half, Northland plus 18 and a half, Wellington and North Harbour head-to-head returns $8.24. And actually last weekend, forgot to mention, my budding Far Cup multi that I tipped on here, the six-legger, she got up paying 14s of the best, so hopefully you got in that. If you did, 
Thank me later. Corona Lomu's on you, at Danny Doolin. So not a bad little shout there. Can't complain at that money. And fingers crossed she comes in. And of course, up the mighty Harbour Heat, the best provincial rugby side in New Zealand. Before we move on, better cast the eye over the women's rugby world cup, especially the old outrights and futures. Of course, the New Zealand ladies, over the past year, they've made some massive changes to their setup, and as a result, they've really turned around their poor results from the end of last season, and they've shot themselves into contention at this World Cup. Their second favourites now, England, of course, the juggernaut that they are. I think they've won about 25-odd games straight. Maybe it's even more. They're paying $1.50, so they're the clear favourites. New Zealand, the next closest at 3 bucks. Then it drops away to France at 8, Canada at 26, and Australia at 51. So there's a clear top three between the French, us, and England. And I have to throw Canada in the mixer there as well. I think they'll be that fourth side in, and they will beat out Australia to play in a semi-final shot. If you're like me and you love the Black Ferns, of course, Patriotic Kiwi, three bucks, too hard to pass up. The safest bet would be England. But look, sometimes you got to back your country over what your brain's telling you to do. In terms of this weekend's games, first up, France. They're taking on South Africa in the first game of the tournament. They're paying $1.01. South Africa 36ers. Avoid that one. Cricket score on the way. No money to be made on the French. Then following that, Fiji taking on England. And we thought South Africa were paying long odds. Fiji said, hold my bear. They're paying 41s. England again, $1.01. The only way you can make some coins on these games is probably the old points start. And they're pretty juicy as well. Plus 53 and a half for the Fijians. It's their first time in the tournament, I believe. England, the best side in the world. I think it'll go over that 53 and a half. Hopefully not for the Fijian women's sake. Would love to see them put in a decent shift and walk out with their heads held high. But that's probably the bet. England plus 53 and a half at $1.80 there. In your last game of the triple header, of course, in the mixer. Bit of Rita Aura. Can't bet on her, but you can bet on Australia. Taking on New Zealand. New Zealand clear favourites, $1.02. Aussie 12 bucks. Of course, we bet them both times. Earlier on in the season, only a couple months ago, there is a power play that I like from this game, though, to find a bit of value. Portia Woodman, Ruby Tui, and Stacey Fuller all to score anytime at $3.50. That's a good shout. Also, is Kendra Coxedge or Ruahe DeMont anytime try scorers in New Zealand? Minus 28 and a half at $4. I think we're going to make a real statement in front of our home fans and kick her off with a hiss and a roar. If you want to go straight winning team in margin, New Zealand 13 plus $1.14, definitely the most popular. And again, the point start appears to be where you can find some value. Minus 28 and a half in favor of the Kiwis at $1.87. Not a bad shout there so in terms of a cheeky little woman's rugby multi for the weekend i'm just gonna multi up those games on set go france with the point start 45 and a half new zealand with the point start 28 and a half and england with the point start 53 and a half three legger paying six dollars 46 should come in and up the Women's World Cup. Finally, for the punting segment today, we'll cover some NFL because there's some huge games on. Of course, today, you got the Denver Broncos taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Two sides that have really struggled for consistency. So this should be interesting. Of course, preseason, I would have said the Colts smashed them. The Broncos, though, they've been a little bit feisty, especially at home. And this is one of the bonus back games the TAB's running this week on the old winning team in margin. This one, the Ravens, Bengals, and KC versus the Raiders. Are your three picks? So a chance for a free swing at some bonus bets there. Denver, favourites, $1.50. The Colts, $2.35. I'll be back in the Colts to get the dub here. Again, haven't been that impressive, but you just got to hope things with Taylor, etc. will soon click and they will be back to that side. Everyone was hoping that they would be. On Monday, you got the Packers taking on the Giants. 
Packers clear favourites there and for obvious reasons. Bills taking on Pittsburgh. You'd have to think Buffalo do a number on them. Cleveland taking on the Chargers. They have to back the Chargers and Herbert there. And then another game that I think should be a shoo-in. Eagles to beat the Cardinals and remain undefeated. Jacksonville to beat the Texans. And KC back on a roll to be too strong for the old Las Vegas Raiders. Multi those up. Cheeky little seven-legger. $12.26 of the best. And fingers crossed, if the Colts get up today, that should be the hardest leg in the bag. And hopefully you can ride those ones home early doors on your Monday morning. So plenty of sport to have a look at this weekend. Of course, another big weekend of horse racing as well. And then next week, we'll dive in deep on the old Rugby League World Cup as well as the T20 Cricket World Cup. We'll go into some Premier League and everything else. But that's all we'll cover for this week. Hopefully tipped a few multis for you in there. A couple winners. And fingers crossed, the old Bunnings Far Cup Magic Multi can go back to back two weeks in a row. That would be massive fizz. And up the TAB. Q&A time now to wrap her up and unfortunately forgot to chuck the old question box up on the Instagram but luckily for me and for you a couple came through into the DMs anyway so let's rip into those the first one from Tane Smith and he says Surly what's your thoughts on Cam Munster re-signing with the Storm and yeah look touched on it a little bit just before interesting stuff really did think the longer it dragged out that that was the more like likely outcome but you'd have to think Redcliffe, Wayne Bennett, Peter O'Sullivan and co would have been devastated by this news. What it's also done, him dragging it out, is it's meant that Redcliffe really don't have time to sign anyone else and they could be left with wasted money in their salary cap so it's turned into a bit of a disaster. Munster, he's come out and said he still wants to be playing great footy and winning football so signing a four-year deal, you'd have to think that's almost him, a storm man for the rest of his career and I rate the decision personally. I think it is better for his career but again, massive blow for Redcliffe they're gonna struggle next year you'd have to think great forward pack lacking a bit of strike power in the backs the hammer though he did just sign he'll be their number one marquee back playing at the back but I think they really did need a Cam Munster not only to help them get results next year but also to show they're the real deal and to help them recruit for many years to come so I think old Wayne would have been spewing a bit that this didn't play out the way he'd expect a brave call from Munster think he turned down over two million dollars over the course of his deal Redcliffe got the checkbook out in a big way but it wasn't enough and it just goes to show you can't put a price on winning and it looks like the storm will be doing plenty of that for many more years to come so rate the decision interested to hear what Wayne has to say if he has anything to say about it a huge blow for Redcliffe and I think 2023 could be a real struggle for the old fins. Your second and last question comes through from Jared Gibson, one of the greats, and he says, how do you think the first round of a Super Rugby Fantasy draft should go? 10-team league, NFL-style draft. And look, that's a great question. Of course, mention it all the time. Love my fantasy, especially in those American sports, your NBA and your NFL. Super Rugby Fantasy would be bloody good. Of course, they have little variations of this, but it's not the same. You want to draft, you want to get your points. Four points, tries, try assists, kick meters, run meters, tackles, tackle breaks. That would make it way more interesting. The Americans do it bloody well. In terms of your super rugby, shit, this is a tough one. I think number one pick for me would probably have to be Richie Mwanga, of course. Down there in the Crusaders, he's always a lock in that 10 jersey. Goal kick, scores quite a few tries, sets them up. Great kicking game, strong on D. He kind of ticks all the boxes, and as the first five, He's pretty much that number one quarterback, your star point guard. So I think he'd be off the board early doors. Second, I'd probably have Geordie Barrett. I think he'll be playing in the 12 for the Canes, so he'll be able to truck nut 
all year long. He goal kicks for them, which is an important aspect. Huge boot as well. Loves a try assist. He's almost that playmaker in the 12 jersey, and you know he's going to be starting every week. Third, I'd go his brother, oh, Bodie Barrett from the Blues. Again, similar to the above, can slice and dice with ball in hand as well. Loves a meaty. In the fourth, this is where it gets interesting because now those kind of top-tier playmakers are out. Maybe Will Jordan, chuck him in there, of course, lights it up in the 15 jersey in Super Rugby. Arguably our most exciting back. Kick return meters would be huge. Again, loves a meaty. So in four, I'd go Will. In five, Adi Savia, purely just because I love him. He carries all day long, so his run meters and his work rate would be huge, and I think he'd rack up a fair few points. So got to have Adi in there. In six, bit of a bolter maybe. Samasoni Takiaho again, off the back of rolling malls, always scores easy tries. Strong ball runner, hits hard, gets through a mountain of work around the ruck as well. So I'd have him in there. In the seven, I went with Rico Ioane course in the blues plays an integral part in their attack always lights them up gets early ball strong on d loves a runaway and i think outside rts he would rack up some great points in the eight i went with damian mckenzie of course this is for next year he'll be back at the chiefs whether he plays 10 or 15 still undecided another goal kicker another exciting attacking player and you could probably bump him up the rankings to be fair now i'm thinking about it he might have been the pick of the draft at eight old D-Mac in the nine went with Lester Fying Arnuku the other Crusaders wing strong ball carrier they use him to track nut often scores two or three meaties and has high involvement in that Crusaders attack maybe a bit of a bolter again and then in the 10 and I had to chuck him in there he's a 10 in the draft and he's a 10 in my heart RTS again, call me biased, at the Blues, in the 12, they use him off set piece to carry, defenders beaten, if that gets your points he'd be topping the chart, also biggest calves in the comp, he'd be topping the chart there, carries that razzle factor and I think he's just someone you'd want to have in your team, he's your LeBron James, he's your heart pick, where you pick him too early in the draft but you just want him in your side to make it more enjoyable, we all have those players and RTS would be my one. So great question there, Jared. Would love to hear your top 10, mate. No doubt I've left out a few players. You'd think you're Ethan Blackadder, Sam Keynes, just those guys who get through a mountain of work. Dalton Papali'i for the Blues. They'd probably be in the mix as well. Depends how the scoring's done, of course. But based off what I kind of threw out there early doors, you'd think the first fives would go early. Then your Razzle guys, your Will Jordans, etc. And then filter down from there. But bloody good question, mate. Really enjoyed thinking that one over. And hope you're having a good Friday, horse. Right, that's all we have time for this week. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If not, as usual, a big up yours from me. Up the mighty harbour heat tonight. Go the Black Ferns tomorrow. Get up old Shane Van Gisbergen as well. And up the mighty Kiwis as they take on Leeds. No doubt putting them to the sword. Early doors on Sunday morning. Catch you here, same time, same place next week. She's going to be a big episode previewing the Rugby League World Cup. So I'll see you then. How good is a Friday?